Episode 80 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. How do you reward yourself? Alright, team, welcome along to episode 80 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime in love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Welcome along, I've, I'm, um, I'm actually a bit tired, <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. I, I went to Australia this weekend and I got home at midnight last night and I had to teach it, so I got home about 1 o'clock in the morning and then... I had to teach a class at six o'clock in the morning, so I basically lived on about three hours sleep. So I'll, I'll, I'll survive. Don't worry, I'll survive. But I am a little bit tired. I had a really fun time in Australia. So it was a cool weekend. I went over to Australia and taught at a gym called Easy Fit on the Sunshine Close with a lady called Joey and, and Adam, her husband, and uh, they've got a really cool gym there. And so I just went over and taught there. But while I was there, I got to hang out with some of my best friends from when I was a young man, and guys who kind of moved away from my city at the age of early 20s and I hadn't really seen in years and it was just a really good time seriously just spent basically three days laughing you know in life when you get those people who've been your friends but you don't see them for a long time and as soon as you see them again it just slots back into why they are your friends and uh yeah it was just it was just really really cool I just had a really fun time so that's why I'm partially tired but I'm sure I will survive and you do not need to feel sorry for me because I've got a bit of a tan and it was pretty hot over in Australia. Uh, this week's show, it's, it's the Bevan Show. It's the one where I kind of share some thoughts on a topic and I've got a main topic that I'm going to talk about in the main section of today's show. But I, I want to talk about something else before I get into that. And it, it's, it's kind of, it's funny, I do this mentoring work with, you know, I have these people I mentor and I kind of limit it to about eight people at a time. Uh, a, because I think it's a healthy amount for me to do, so I can do a great job for those people. And B, um, I think if I did 40 hours of it, it would be something that could be overwhelming for myself. So, um, And also, I want to do other things with my life. But I, I do love the, the mentoring work I do. I find it, it very rewarding. And, um, and many of my clients, to be honest, pretty much all my clients get great results. And um, you know, I can just, just think off the top of my head recently, I've had some clients who have made some really massive breakthroughs and breakthroughs that are kind of life defining. And, you know, people have gone from maybe a place where they're struggling in their life and they, they get to, you know, happiness or contentment and stuff like that. But there's been, and sometimes when you do this mentoring work, it's funny and maybe, maybe I influence this. I don't know if I do, but Sometimes certain themes will seem to hit across different people at the same time. And it's bizarre that it happens because I have completely different, you know, all my clients are completely different to each other in age, you know, of different sexes, different places they live in the world and all those types of things. But there is this kind of these themes that sometimes come through and get reinforced. And recently there's this theme that's come through that I think it's a really important thing to kind of talk about on today's show because the need to be who you are is such an important thing in life. The need to be who you are is such an important thing in your life. And often in life, like some people don't even know what that is. Like, like they don't even know who they are. 
And and often when I get clients who get to that point where they found happiness or, or they've achieved a goal or it's kind of, you know, you get these people who they'll get a moment of contentment and it's, and they know that they can stay in it for a long period of time and, and you know, use techniques to help them find it. But often the place when they get to that place is when you say, well, what have you got to, what have you gained from being in this place? And, and often the answer I get back is, I'm just being myself. Now, when you think about that, that's, that's pretty massive, isn't it? And, and, I, and I kind of, you know, again, I feel very fortunate to be the person who sits in the mentoring kind of role in people's lives because, you know, my clients are very honest about their lives and so you kind of get to gain insights that maybe you wouldn't get to gain on everyday conversations with people. But you do kind of, you know, there is, you know, you, these insights I get to gain through these conversations. And just recently, again, I've, I'm, pro- I'm kind of repeating myself here, but this this thing about just being myself seems to be the place for a lot of people that I've worked with that is where they find contentment. And so then the question becomes if just being myself allows me to feel in a place in the world where I can enjoy my life experience however I want to enjoy it, then we really need to sit down and think about, well, what stops me from being myself? And maybe even who is myself? Because like I was saying before, I've had clients, you know, we've kind of got to this place where we've helped them figure out that they need to kind of move towards trusting being themselves more. And ultimately, they don't even know who they are. Now, actually, when you work with them, you kind of do help them discover moments where they are themselves. And you try to say, well, there is a moment where you are yourself. So how do you start to let that out more to the world? But I suppose if, if I'm think, talking to you now, the person who's listening to this, and I were to say to you, when do you feel like you're being totally true to who you are? When in your life do you feel I am being totally me? I suppose, how do you know that? It, how do you know that's happening? How do you know that you are being you? And maybe one way to think about it is, how do I know I'm not being me? You know, um, a lot of people. One thing you discover is that a lot of people are so influenced by the thoughts of others in their life, and are so influenced in ways that make them shift how they behave to the world because they want to impress others or they want to please others because they think that's going to deliver the happiness they want or the results that they desire. And ultimately what they start to do is they move away from trusting themselves to be who they are in that moment. And so that's probably the person who's done that for a long period of time is probably the person who is in this place where they don't know who they are because fundamentally they've never trusted themselves to show themselves to the world. And so they kind of are trying to, you know, put this beacon out to the world or trying to figure out how how I should be in the world whereas instead what they should be doing is reflecting upon themselves and saying how do I just allow my true self to come out to the world now if you're thinking about this right now there's some good things to think about in in how I help myself just be myself I think one of the first things is, is are there moments in my life currently or in my past where I was just feel to, free to be, you know, just me. Uh, how do you define just me? I, I know it's a hard one, but I think deep down it's when I'm just tr- free to express who I am in ways that feel 
comfortable and natural for me. To show my world, this is me. Now, in your life right now, if you are someone who's listening to this and thinking far out, man, I am someone who's, you know, maybe I don't know what it's like to be me, or maybe I always try to put on a front, or maybe I'm trying to copy everyone around me. Well, where are those moments in your life that allow you to be free? It's interesting, I had a session a while ago with a person, and we were talking about something like this, and they were just talking about how, for them, they are they, they really kind of protected the world from themselves. And it was really interesting, because what they'd done is they protected the world from themselves. Because they didn't trust that the world would treat them well. But because they protected the world from themselves, they never showed themselves to the world, so they never got a chance to show for the world to show them that they would accept them. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> and so and so we talked about it and there was this there was a friend that had the friend, it was just a really great friend of this person, and this friend was so accepting and it was it was kind of the only moment in this person's life where they just felt free to be themselves. And this friend loved on this person, gave them, you know, everything that they needed and and so they just felt this real connection with this person, but it was just, it was kind of the one moment in their life where they got to be free to be themselves. And so we kind of deciphered, well, what is it about that friend that allowed you to, to go to that place? And then we looked at that and we were able to then go, well, let's look at exploring opening up to other people in your life in ways that shows them your, your world. And I think that's one thing you can start to think about for yourself is, if I am someone who's listening to this right now, and I know deep down I don't have many moments of being myself, and maybe I am concerned about outside thoughts on me or outside influence upon me which re- restricts that within me or are there moments where I where I am myself and if I don't have it right now were there moments in my past where that happened and what about those moments allowed that to happen so it might be that it was certain people who were just pretty great and you were trusting it might be that there were different environments that helped me it might be that I, I'd built some confidence in an area of my life that I felt more comfortable. So I may be, be really competent in this area over here. So I might be really good at a skill at work. And because I feel confident in this area, I feel more free to be myself. Whereas in other areas where I feel I lack confidence, that's where I kind of go to this place where I'm not free. But what we can do there is we can use this understanding of what's worked in the past or what currently works in smaller areas of my life to learn, reflect, and then plan to expand. I just made that up there, and I, I like that saying, plan to expand. But plan to expand the lessons that I've learned in those areas there, and then try to take them to the other areas of my life. Now, when we go to this, my new favorite term, plan to expand, when we go to plan to expand into new areas of my life, I think the next thing we ought to really think about is, my first goal is to look for wins. Because if I'm someone who has always protected myself or not shown myself to the world, I'm probably going to be pretty vulnerable in those moments where I'm going to try to open up more to people and places and and areas of my life where that hasn't happened. So if we go back to the example of the client a while ago had the good friend where they felt really comfortable, well, that, that was really safe for them. But then for them to go up to some kind of person at work and share that level of themselves, it's going to be really risky. And if we said dive head first deep in, it could it could not work. And if anything, it could be so hard it never happens. But if I can look at, but what about that person who's my best friend that allows me to be myself and say, okay, who in my world is similar to that? 
So I'm looking for a person who'd be a win. Or if I go to the skills, you know, the skill gives me a sense, you know, the work. I'm really good at this area of my work. So what's another area where I could develop some confidence around a skill? So I'm looking for how I can be successful. And then I may even go, okay, I found a person who's similar to my friend who I think I could probably trust. How do I test the water with this person that there's a little bit of vulnerability within it for me? But I'm willing to take that risk. But if I get that, I'll have a win. I may not reveal all, but I may reveal a little bit. Or if we go to the skills-based one, uh, you know, an area of my life where I'm, you know, I don't feel totally incompetent at, but I can work on a level of skill and maybe surround myself with someone who has a similar skill. Now, if we work down that path, and, and ideally what we're trying to do is just try to find wins. So, so then I go to this back to the example of the friend. I've got the friend who allows me to be myself, and then I find somebody else who has similar character traits in my life who I think, you know what, they're a good person to allow me to explore opening up the real me to the world and then from there I'll go okay well what's a win you know maybe I can share this this bit that's you know a little bit scary but not too vulnerable for me and I'll open up and share that to that person and you go along and you do it and they're great and they accept you and they you know they're interested in you and and you know you get what you need for that interaction you've had a win and then from there you can explore deeper with that person more for more wins and then you've got kind of two allies in your camp and then you can start to think well why can't I look to do this to more people in my world and over time you're moving more and more to a place where you're being yourself and that's what I find really interesting about when I see my clients who get to this place this is what I find the most fascinating thing is they're so free and, and, and the concerns of others really seem to disappear because they seem to have this ability just to trust. You know, I think one of the gains they get is they, they go to this place where they just trust things are going to be okay. And so I just think there's real value in doing this work in your life. So I know this is kind of weird. I know this is kind of a little bit like the middle segment of the show normally, but I just kind of wanted to get that out there today. Ultimately, I think... Our job in the world is, well not our job, but a, a good place for us to live in the world is a place where we are just being me. Where you are just being who you totally are in this world. And if you're doing that well, well, the benefits are massive. But if you're sitting here listening today and you're listening to this and you know deep down that you are, you know, you may really never know who you are, or that, that, that version of you only pokes its head out every, every so often, Think about how you can allow it to come out. Look for the wins and do the work. Because I, from the experience I've had with my clients, that is one of the big factors that comes to contentment and freedom in life. The chance just to be me in the world. I hope there's something in that for you guys. You know, I'm going to get into the main gist of the show pretty soon. I actually got an email I also want to respond to at the end of the show as well. So I'll probably kind of keep the main segment kind of shortish. but And then do the email because it's got, based on a show I did a couple episodes ago so but before i do i want to mention some of the patrons of the show so let me put my little patrons link and i have it in front of me right here and a few of the patrons who are being regular contributors to the show include sarah the oracle hill we've also got i'm going to write back up to the top here paula powerful or paula the powerful punisher green uh, marion clatt marion the momentum george the wild bill baker 
Mary, I've got the power. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Ginger, the governor. Dave, Dave, always Ginger Dave's his name. And Fiona Sanders, she's the Stark. And we have got a new patron this episode, and it is Scott Young. And I think Scott actually sent me an email through and just saying how much he loves what I'm doing and he's made massive progress in his life. I'm going to have a look at that right now as I'm talking about it. Now, Scott Young. So when I thought about a nickname for Scott Young, I'm just going to say, did he pull this? Send me an email through. I'm almost 99% sure he did. Scott Young, there you go. Scott Young, I've got your email here in front of me. And he's just saying, he just sent me this big email to say, you know, the work that I'm doing is really great for him. He's made massive progress himself and he's just doing some really cool things with his life. And he just kind of... Um, yeah, just kind of, he was kind of passionate in his email, which I really loved. And when, when he said the last name Young, now if you're from Australia, this would probably make sense here. But Young, Angus Young, I'm pretty sure Angus Young was one of the members of ACDC. And I had a friend when I was younger, and uh, he, when he'd say, instead of saying ACDC, he'd say Eka Decker. So it's going to be Scott Eka Decker Young. There you go, Scott. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd be over the moon with that one. Or you could go ACDC, which is like an electrical charging out there. So that's uh, Scott Young, and he's also a patron of the show team. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com. One thing I'm trying to do with all my patronage money right now is save up to actually do a new website. My website's kind of dated nowadays, and it's time for an upgrade. And um, so I'm kind of saving all the money that comes from patronage towards new websites. It's probably going to cost me about three or four thousand dollars US. So um, you know, if you are wanting to support me along that course, just jump on board and become a patron. It also just helps me to support in the work I'm doing here. So for those people who already are patrons, you know how much I appreciate what you give to the show, both in financial terms and just the fact you want to back me, which kind of means a lot. And if you aren't, go to bevanjamesisles.com. Anyway, today I'm going to get to the main gist of the episode here. Hopefully uh, there's some good stuff in there for you today. Here we go. One of the things I've become really interested in in the last period of time, well, I might actually go into this a little bit later on, but, but kind of this concept of how do we reward ourselves in life? How do you actually reward yourself when you have done well at something or when you've gone without something? And even just this idea of needing a reward for doing something in your life. Now, I'm not saying that rewards are... I'm not trying to judge rewards here. I'm just kind of curious. It's just kind of interesting. I remember reading a book called Willpower a while ago and they were very big. It was, it was a really good book, actually. It was a big influence on my thinking. And they, they were kind of really big on the idea of using rewards as a way to motivate people. And as kind of someone who, you know, in my mentoring work, I sometimes, I've discovered that sometimes rewards work for people and sometimes they don't. And it can be really be very much dependent on the person. Some people want that. Um, I remember a while ago I was doing some mental game work with this lady doing golf. And she wanted a reward. We kind of set um, levels of achievement, so like level one, two, and three. And if she got to level one, I don't know, it was, it was, a, I don't know, it was like a holiday. If she got to level two, she got like maybe a new golf club. And if she got to level three, which which wasn't as good as level one, maybe she just got a top. And then if she didn't get to any of them, she didn't get the reward. And for her, once I kind of put that system of rewards in place, the idea of getting to level one became very appealing. And so that that the idea of getting the holiday at the end was a real motivator for her. And then other times I've tried a reward system with different clients and it, it just didn't really even motivate them. And it's not to say that they weren't doing the work that they needed. They often would come back and be successful, but 
the, the reward wasn't actually that important to them. And when we think about rewards, often what we're, so I'm not judging the reward when I'm thinking about it here, because I think one thing, if we go back to my concept of what is your success formula, I think ultimately what we want to determine in life is how I work. So if you know you are like that lady I was working with of golf, and you know that deep down, putting a reward in helps you to be more motivated, well that can be a really powerful tool to use, and on the flip side of that, if you know you are somebody who the reward just doesn't necessarily kind of capsulate you and motivate you to another level, well, then that's probably going to be something I'm not going to use so much. So I suppose first of all, when it comes to rewards, how do you use rewards in your life? And is it something you find that actually motivates you or is it find something that is maybe a tool that you don't need? Or even in different contexts does it motivate me, and maybe in other contexts it doesn't motivate me. But then there's this moment where we get people who, <clears throat> it's almost like the reward is the bad behaviour. And we'll see this a lot, you know, with people who, you know, let's say you've had a hard day at work, and you've worked a long day, I don't know, you might have a family as well, and it's been a big day at work, and you're really tired, and you come home, and the kids are full on, but you know, you're a good parent, and you're good at your job, and so you kind of, you can be happy with the day you've done your work, and then you sit down at the end of the night, and let's say at this moment in time, you're trying to lose some weight, so you've got this goal of losing some weight, and within that, there is no kind of, you know, you might have a cheat day once a week, where on the weekend, you can have some junk food, but generally speaking, you're trying to stay away from junk food. But then you get down, let's say it's 8 o'clock at night, you put the kids to bed, you chop it on TV, and you think to yourself, I deserve some chocolate. This is, I find this, moment, this, this kind of way of thinking a very interesting thing. Because often what happens is, is when we've done a, you know, a, a series of hard work or you know, we've achieved something, sometimes our rewards can actually work against us. Sometimes we think that our reward is a destructive behavior. And I'll share an experience in my own life right now around this, because recently in my life, so about this time, about 18 months ago, uh, my partner and I, we were just working too much. We, we've got our own business, you know, like I work a lot. Um, I love what I do, so it kind of doesn't feel like work. But we did just work a lot, and we just determined that for us, there was a couple of things that weren't happening. We weren't doing experiences together. So we weren't necessarily going out and I don't know, going for walks or doing fun stuff. Like last week, we, a couple of weeks ago, we did this thing called Adrenaline Forest where we went climbing, rope climbing for three hours and it was so much fun. And those kind of experiences weren't happening in our life. And it was something we felt we wanted in our life. We also wanted a day of our week where we, we shut off to business and work. And, you know, for those of you who have your own small businesses out there or, or have a life where you kind of don't shut off from work. You probably understand what I'm talking about. And that because I work in fitness and our running business is mainly on a Saturday and I teach on a Sunday, there was kind of no day where there was nothing. And so we determined to ourselves that we were going to create this thing called Fun Day Friday. And Fun Day Friday was our day to just stop from the world, have some cool shared experiences together and just chill. And if you look at my calendar, even to this day, my calendar, I'm very good at kind of organizing my time and having kind of every moment of my day has kind of got objectives and all the rest of it based on the whole life of me. But my Friday is very much blank. The only thing I often put on my Friday day is just to get some piano in. Um, but if Joe and I are going to have a cool experience and that's not going to happen, that's cool as well. So I started, you know, we started this Fun Day Friday and... <clears throat> 
you know, we've done pretty well because we, our fun day Friday is often to go do fun experiences and we'll often go out for lunch together and, and we sleep in and, you know, I don't check my emails and all those types of things as well. So in some ways, my fun day Friday has been fulfilled with the objective was to stop from work and have some time off. But the interesting thing about Fun Day Friday is it's a whole day. And so I get, you know, sometimes there'll be like three or four hours where there's not much to do, you know, like we may have planned to do something and then this is kind of downtime. And when I first started doing Fun Day Friday, and, and to be honest, up until recently, really, I actually just went to behaviours that were a bit mind-numbing. Uh, that's probably not the best way of putting it, but you kind of, I, I'll, I'll describe in more detail. So I'd kind of, Joe and I would do something, go out for lunch, and I'd just come home, and I'd just sit on my phone for a couple of hours playing iPhone games. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing iPhone games, but after doing it for a couple of hours, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not satisfied with that use of my time. I don't, I, 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 I don't really love it. It's not, not a problem, and again, on Fun Day Friday, it's kind of a part of the objective of the day was just to give your mind a release. But when I've sat and played an iPhone game for a couple of hours, and I'm just going to think, it's just, I'm just not rewarded by it. But Fun Day Friday, in a way, is kind of meant to be the reward for my week. And, I, and sometimes we use it really well by fulfilling it with the objective of it, relaxing, connecting, and experiences. But then sometimes I do just sit there and kind of meander through the day. And I don't feel bad about it. I don't. I don't feel guilty because the objective was to to relax and you know go back to what we were doing. But so I don't. When I had that day, I don't feel bad. And, and I also know that when I get back to Saturday morning, I, I know how to get back to my workflow. So it never flows on into the next day. But I just ultimately, if Fun Day Friday is the reward for a hard day's work or a hard week's work, the reward's actually not the greatest reward. And it's kind of like that person who, when they get to the end of the day and they're really fatigued and they've had a tough day's work and they're sitting there and they've you know, looked after the kids and, and it's almost like you feel you deserve to go to a destructive behaviour or maybe not destructive, but a, not a great behaviour. Like for me, sitting and playing iPhone games for a couple of hours, it's, it's not the end of the world, but it's not a great behaviour. It's not the most rewarding behaviour. And if you go and grab that chocolate and you think about, that's my reward for a hard day's work. But it also contradicts what I'm trying to achieve in my life. Then in, in some ways, the way I reward myself leads to dissatisfaction. So I have a good day. I work hard. I look after the family. I have a good week. I have a really productive week. I can look and I tick the box every day. I'm feeling really good about my week. And then my reward is... To do a dissatisfying behaviour. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Think about yourself right now. Think about your own life. And think about when those moments are when you get to reward yourself. Do you... Now, there are other ways I reward myself and, and they're not always dissatisfying. But do you have ways to reward yourself which are actually kind of dissatisfying and kind of pulling you away from what you're ultimately trying to achieve? Now, I get why we do this because I think in some ways it's just relief. I think that, you know, at first when I was on those Sunday Fridays, when I get those three or four hours where there's not much to do, and I and I was kind of like, Bev, just, you know, let it go, you're allowed to relax, and, and I get that, so I kind of get that it's, you know, oh, it's been so full on, it's almost like a relief moment. But it's also not that, it's just not that satisfying. 
So I suppose the first point I want to get across here is how I reward myself. Does it actually counter what I'm trying to achieve in life? And is it ultimately not actually that satisfying once I've had the reward? I want you kind of to park that aside right now because then there's this other thing I've been thinking about in my life right now and it kind of layers on top of this. And it's it's this whole idea of what am I chasing? And, you know, I kind of love this idea of the thing I've been trying to work on is what gives me the most satisfaction in my life? You know, when am I most satisfied? And I'll give an example from me playing the piano. So what I ultimately want to achieve being a pianist is, or keyboardist is probably a better term for what I do, but what I ultimately want to achieve is my ultimate goal is to be a creator, to perform live, and that's it really. The ultimate would be to be a creator of music and to perform live with my, my instrument. And... When you look at how I play my piano, not much time goes into those two activities. Now, admittedly, I do do a little bit of work towards performing live because I'm I'm in a band and we are writing songs, and um, we do have the objective of you know performing live. But to be honest, I've probably performed live five or six times this year, so it's not a huge amount that's happening there. And when it comes to creating, I probably spend on average probably eight to ten hours a week playing the keyboard. Now, of that 8 to 10 hours, I'm probably spending 15 to 45 minutes creating. So of the time I'm spending doing this activity, I'm not actually spending much time on the things I really want out of the activity. Now, and I do still love what I'm doing when I'm playing piano, because one thing I do spend a lot of time doing is practicing songs of that other people have written so like currently i'm learning a queen song don't stop me now and i find it really challenging so I, I do enjoy the challenge of the other aspects that i'm doing so it's not that that's wasted time because i'm enjoying it but at the same time it's not really taking me towards where i want to go as a pianist so again the performer and creator and if we think of percentage time doing this activity i'm, I'm really not spending i'm spending minimal like 10 percent of my time as a musician doing the thing that I ultimately want to be doing as a musician. And why is this? Well, if I'm going to be really honest, it's because it's kind of hard. You know, if, if you give me a Queen song to learn on the piano, and, you know, I can go watch a good YouTube clip, or I, I've got a website called HD Piano, which I find really good for learning songs, or you give me a sheet music and I'll work through it, or I can nut through it, and I kind of, it's more of a problem-solving exercise. You know, here's the problem, what's happening with my technique, how do I break this down? You know, and if I can stick with this problem-solving exercise, I'll get through it. So while it's challenging, I, I mentally, it's not as hard as creating. Creating, I find very challenging because there's no template in front of you. You, you, you have to kind of make up your own stuff. And one thing I find when I'm creating is you find these moments of roadblocks where there's that kind of... You know when you're learning and you, you find it really hard to get to understand the concept and you've got to, there's almost this kind of, it's not tension, but kind of inner tension because you're struggling to kind of get it out. Well, that can be my experience that I'm experiencing when I'm creating as a musician. But the irony is, is that when I get through that moment of creative angst, I'll call it, when I get through that moment of creative angst and, and create something, that's the most rewarding part of playing as a musician. 
Like uh, it really is. Like I wouldn't like if I can rock out that Queen song in front of you. I, I, don't worry, I'll be proud of myself. I, I love that I've overcome that work, and I love that I can play that song. But when I've had that moment where I'm really struggling to put together a jigsaw puzzle of creativity, and I pull it together, that is the most satisfying moment in, for me as a musician. And also, like I love playing at home and stuff. But when I'm up on stage and I'm nervous and I overcome that, that's that, you know when the band pulls it together, that's the most satisfying. So when we think about what I'm trying to achieve through my piano playing, which is, you know, creativity and, and performing, well, the most satisfying time when I play my instrument is through those two things. But the time I'm spending playing in those areas is, is minimal. And one thing I've been really focusing on in my life right now is I want to be putting as much time in my life where I'm moving towards the things that give me the greatest satisfaction. So as I think about, if we go back to my piano analogy, if we think about my piano, I, I, I'm spending way too much time learning other people's songs. And I still want to keep that in because I enjoy it. But I want to make it more of a 50-50. I want to go, you know what, I'm going to learn Queen for half an hour today and write my own songs for half an hour a day and maybe go do some brand practice tonight. And why is that? Because if I can get through those hard moments, I'm going to get more satisfaction in the things that I love doing. And it's this kind of philosophy of chasing the satisfaction, what gives me the more satisfaction, is something I'm really trying to work towards in my own life right now. And this kind of is a thing that goes across all areas of your life. Like I remember a while ago I did a podcast for people who who are exercisers and have got to that moment where they're just a bit stale with it, where they haven't, you know, they, they've got the routine of exercise, but are they really working out hard anymore? And it's something we see a lot in the industry, people who have kind of know how to tick the box, but they've lost that drive to be better. And I got a lot of feedback from that podcast from people who identified with that, saying, you know what, I'm kind of in that place, and hearing that podcast gave me a bit of a kick up the butt, because ultimately I'm most satisfied when I exercise that way. And if I, again, go back to my own experience, I know today's show is a lot about my own experiences, but so be it. Um, this this last kind of six weeks, I've had this goal of doing three weight sessions a week. And one of the things I've found with weight sessions over the last period of my life is I kind of go into it and I don't go into it in a way that's going to give me satisfaction. So I lose motivation to stick at it. And when this month period coming up, I've I changed my focus. I said, okay, well, the goal was to do three sessions a week up until we go away next week. We're going on holiday next week. And so, and I've, and I've hit it, I've, I haven't missed a session, but one thing I've focused on is how do I feel as much satisfaction at the end of the session or throughout the session when I'm training? Now, obviously that requires for me to work harder. It makes me push harder. It makes me look for challenge in the workout. But now, you know, and to be honest, for the last five or six years of my life, I've had moments where I've kind of done weight training, but I've never stuck at it. And I can justify it because of the nature of my life. I do so much exercise anyway. So you kind of go, oh, you know, well, I'm doing enough. But it was ultimately because it just wasn't that satisfying with me, for me. But now in this last month, I've been doing these sessions and I'm pushing myself hard and my body hurts. And, um, and I, you know, you push through that hard moment in the session or you don't get there, but you're kind of motivated to push harder again the next time. And I'm finding I'm satisfied by the weights training. And because I'm chasing satisfaction and the thing that gives me satisfaction, it's appealing for me to go back to that activity. When I think about quality of a day's productivity, 
when you sit down, you know, you know, I, I say this in talks, and I may have said this on the show before, but one thing I say is, is, don't you love that day when you go to bed at night and you've absolutely just nailed that day? When you go to bed, you, your bed hits the pillow and you just go, yep, nailed it. But that's the best feeling, isn't it? When you've had that satisfying day because you've just absolutely, you know, you've had, you don't know, you maybe did your exercise, you ate well, you, you're productive, you didn't waste half an hour on Facebook or two hours on Facebook. You, you made a satisfying day that was really fulfilling for you. And ultimately in life, the kind of goal is how many days can I have like that? And then if we flip it on its head and we kind of go, there's nothing worse than a day when you go to bed and you go, wow, that was, that was a bit of a waste of my life. And if I go back to my analogy of my fun day Friday, and sometimes on my fun day Friday, that can be my experience. If I turn this on you, what are the activities and the way you live, the ways you live your life that are most satisfying for you? Again, again, this is a lot about me today, but I've brought learning back into my life this year. I've, I've re- actually in the last 18 months, I've just been doing some study on the side and and I just realized how much I love learning. I love learning and understanding. And I find it hard, you know, it's like going back to that moment on creativity of piano. I'll have these things and I don't understand them and I've got to stick at it and gain deeper understanding. And I'll admit, I kind of use a lot of the, the learnings that Peter Brown gave us from my interview of Peter Brown from his book. And I'm really enjoying just how I learn better. You know, I feel satisfied by that. So when you think about yourself, what are those things in your life that give you satisfaction and in the different areas what kind of levels do you like to get in your life that give you satisfaction if you think about actually i'm going to pause I'm going to put up a model for a second give me a second yeah now i'm back i'm back and the power of podcasting seconds don't really matter but um this here is one of those models of areas you can develop yourself in and there's so many different areas but but these there's just a couple that are really interesting I, I think are just good for you to think about right now so when you're in your career when are you most satisfied and what helps you to be most satisfied when you're social in your social life when is it the most satisfying is it when you're just kind of sitting around doing nothing with friends or is it when you get into deep conversations or you have shared experience with your friends or if your family when are you most satisfied if you're a parent, when are you really satisfied? What, what, what are the behaviours? What are the way you deal with your kids that actually make you feel really satisfied? And your intellect, like I was just saying before, I'm, I'm loving learning because my mind is expanding and I love the challenge of that moment where I'm finding it hard to get something to stick. Physically, when are you most satisfied? Spiritually, financially. When you think about these areas of your life, where is the ultimate satisfaction for you? And I suppose the question then becomes, how do I get that? And to me, that's kind of the shift I've been trying to experience in my life recently is that my job is to move toward the activities that are going to give me the greatest satisfaction. When I'm doing weight training, I'm trying to move towards a level of intensity in my workout because I know I'm going to feel greater satisfaction from that. So I'm going to reflect upon my workouts. I'm going to learn from my workouts. I'm going to try to motivate myself, find better tools to actually push through that intensity so that I get to the end of that set and I'm dying. I push through and, wow, I feel good about myself. At, at work, same thing. How do I, when do I feel most satisfied? What creates that and those types of things? 
So I suppose my second point today is, it's interesting when you start to think about maybe the goal is just chasing satisfaction. And if I were to break down the different areas of my life, where do I get satisfaction from? And how can I put my focus and my energy towards moving towards satisfaction? So if I then rewind a little bit and I go back to the first point, which is how we rewarded ourselves can be an interesting thing because the reward is, um, uh, you know, sometimes our reward can work against what we're actually trying to achieve. Well, what I'm discovering in this kind of pursuit of satisfaction is that that's the reward. Satisfaction is the reward. I don't need to, at the end of the day, eat chocolate because I had a satisfying day. I can just sit and feel satisfied. One thing I'm discovering, and I believe maybe can be valuable for other people to contemplate, is the higher level self is the reward. And, and allowing ourselves those moments to catch that reward and to make that the appealing thing we want to think about. That, wow, man, I look like I sit down, I might be tired, but I feel tired because look at what I've done today. And in that moment, to realize that's the real treasure, to realize satisfaction in self and, and the level that I'm trying to aim for and the things I'm doing for, that moment when you hit them, that's the reward. It's interesting when I think about my fun day Fridays and how, as I've discovered, um, ultimately in some ways they can be dissatisfying and the way I've used them to reward myself actually is a bit meh, a bit blah. That maybe fun day Friday is about kind of doing some stuff that is more fulfilling. Yeah, maybe there's a chance for me to do more creative stuff. Maybe it's just to do some stuff that fulfills me in ways that, um, you know, I don't get time to do during the week. It's not that I can't relax on those days, but how do I relax in a way that's, you know, the best way to relax? You know, one of the best parts of my Funday Friday is just sleeping with my partner and just enjoying that morning with my partner in bed and, you know, because you don't get much time to do that and just talking and reading and cuddling and all that kind of stuff. That's relaxing. But then once we've got a few, if I've got a few hours spare, pick up a pen and write a song. The way we reward ourselves can often be something that actually works against us. And I sometimes think that maybe a better way to think about it is to realise that the reward is satisfaction. In which areas of my life do I want to feel satisfaction? And how do I create satisfaction? And how do I push through those hard moments so I feel satisfaction? And then the reward will be just the feeling that's so good that comes alongside that. But if that's the way I'm living my life, man, imagine what you're going to achieve. <laughs> like, when you when you push through those hard moments of learning, you, you're going to get deeper understanding of the world. When you, when you look for satisfaction in your workout, you're going to get better physical results. When you think about how you work with your family and, and look for more satisfaction there, you're going to be a better parent. If you look at how I can be more productive because I love overcoming hard problems in my career, your career is going to blossom. The reward will be opportunity and experiences and, and growth. But also the reward will be just, I'm pretty satisfied with myself. And each night when my bed hits that pillow, I'll go, yep, 
and now today. All right, I think that's the main just of today's show. Um, I am going to pull up an email. I got an email. I did a show a couple of weeks ago, and Lance sent me through. Now let me have a look here. And here it is. I got an email from Lanky, Lana Kingy, and she just got here. Um, loving the fitness thoughts videos. Oh, so if you aren't already watching my fitness thoughts videos, you can just go to bevanjamesisles.com, and it's just kind of seven-minute clips that kind of I don't know help people think about stuff I've you know I've talked about this last episode so I'm doing a bit more video and it'll be something I'll be doing continuously one thing you can know about what I'm doing nowadays is pretty much every Monday in New Zealand time I'm releasing content so it's either going to be a video or this podcast so that's kind of what I'm working towards is fortnightly for both one time a video one time a podcast so if, you, if you want to just kind of keep in contact with what I'm doing and get some of my work to you just always remember check out my website or go to my website and I can even I even email it out once I release all of this stuff so she sent through an email just saying hey loving the fitness thoughts podcasts or videos these are perfect for new members she works at a gym and she's just saying I've sent all my new members your videos and have been getting great feedback on them keep up the great work which is thank you very much also love the recent podcast on identity and how the loss of anything including letting go of an identity is really hard even if it is a bad identity and this is absolutely true in my experience I've always wanted to become a morning person and work out before work for years I would say I'm just not a morning person it took me six months of struggle to let go of that identity and this year I finally became a morning person I laugh now at how hard I didn't want to let go of that saying I would even say to people that if it's just different energy cycles, like it was some thought I was some sort of authority. I tried to make out it was just something that was unnatural to me and I could never do. Well, I discovered that actually it's become quite natural to crash every night around 9.30pm because when you get up at 5.45 in the morning, you're wasted by 9pm. A while ago I used to have a saying that I can't meditate because I'm too hyperactive, which was just another fallacy. Being hyperactive was just another identity that I didn't want to let go of. When I was a child, I was with my nan when I was at primary school and she was dying of cancer, so I missed a lot of school and got a bit behind. Some kids and even teachers told me that I was dumb and would never make it to the next form. I struggled to let go of that identity for a long time, even after I became a lawyer. So obviously, you know, Lan's is very intelligent you don't become a lawyer if you're a bit thick and uh but she was just saying even for me who achieved this kind of highly academic achievement she held on to this kind of i'm dumb i would make excuses for things because i wasn't naturally smart which is why i'm emailing you i wanted to say that it would be great to explore the idea of what is natural versus unnatural for us it is actually just a conflict of our identity or is it actually just a conflict of our identity Many of my new members in week two and three will give excuses and that excuse is often that the member is thinking that exercise is just something they are not naturally good at. They will often say things that make it sound like they aren't naturally good at exercise, therefore just can't stick to an exercise program. When of course the opposite is true. It is natural to move. Thinking of something as natural versus unnatural is true because you are in conflict with your identity of course something feels unnatural when it's not a part of your identity so to to question here there's lots of good information i think we can take lots from lance's email because this whole idea of 
Lance is a really good example of someone who has overcome some of those identities and obviously I imagine for her not seeing herself as naturally smart in some ways probably made her a hard worker because she probably thought I was never going to get there naturally so I have to work hard at it and she obviously achieved major achievements so I'm sure she's seen value in it but she also needed to learn to see that I am an intelligent person. But the other thing I like about what Lanza did early on was that she actually, like recently with this morning person thing, she challenged this concept and she shifted her behaviours and she realised it was purely just the thought in my head that was stopping me from being able to achieve the thing I wanted, which was to be a morning person who exercised in the morning. So she is a real example of someone who's turned this around. But her question kind of is, is you know, is it natural versus unnatural for us, you know, when people say I'm unnaturally this way inclined? And I think I'll share an experience I had with a client a couple of weeks ago. So a client of mine a couple of weeks ago is in this place where they are big labels around their identity in certain areas of their life. So I'm not going to share specific examples from this person, but let's just say, for example, they said, I am no good at exercise. And like I said in the podcast a few weeks ago, when I say I'm no good at exercise, well, that shuts me off to the possibility of exercise. And one thing I love to do, I think the thing that the start point to think about in this area here is I can improve on anything in life. Now, levels of improvement will be different. Now, I'm not going to be an all black. But if I wanted to, it was actually funny. I was in Australia on the weekend and I was just throwing the ball around with my mates. And it's the rugby ball. And, and, and I'm not the most skillful when it comes to kicking balls and throwing balls around. And, and so, and the middle mate I was with, he was quite good at it. And, you know, I was just, I wouldn't say I was clumsy, but I just wasn't sharp. And I remember thinking when I was younger, I used to think, oh, I'm, I'm just clumsy. And, uh, and as I was there on the weekend, and so, you know, I was clumsy. So when you're clumsy, I couldn't develop that skill. And as I was throwing the ball around on the weekend, it's been a while since I've thrown a ball around. I was kind of like, oh, if I were to get back into sport, this would be a skill that I needed to develop. And I think when we think about these labels in these areas where I think natural versus unnatural, is you've got to realize that when I say I am unnatural at something, I'm stopping the ability for me to be able to progress. And so when I was working with this client a few weeks ago, it was very interesting because they was kind of saying, well, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. And I gave them a little bit of homework and it really hit home with them. I said, I want you to think about all the different areas of your life where you have labels that stop you from trying. So I'm not good at exercise. I could never be a musician. I'm just not naturally good at this. As I talk about this right now, what are those for you? What are, you know, what are those things for you? Once they, they identify them, I said, you're not allowed to put your, you have to remove your personality from that statement. So you aren't allowed to say, I'm not good at music. I'm not a musician. You have to put yourself as the skill you are in that area of your life. So what we said is that in this area of your life, we, we use a 1 to 10 scale, is a musician, 10 out of 10 might be slash on the guitar. <laughs> I'm sure everyone wants to be slash on the guitar, but the guy's a rock star guitarist. Now, if he's a 10 out of 10, and instead of me saying, I'm not 10 out of 10, I mean, I'm not a musician, I can say, based on slash being a 10 out of 10 guitarist, I am a level 1 guitarist. But if I can see that I'm a level one guitarist, then I can see that I can progress. Because I'm not going to be Slash. I may never get to Slash. I may. Some people do. Some people find a passion and get to very high levels. But I'm open to the possibility of 
growing. And that's the ultimate answer. That's what we want to think about, is when am I using my identity and my language to stop me from growing in that area? Now, like I said on that podcast a few weeks ago, some areas of life you don't want to grow in. Like as much as I was kind of thinking about, oh, if I were to get back into sport, I'd need to work on my skills. I don't care to get back into playing contact sports. So it was kind of just a fun thing to think about as I was playing. So I'm not going to go and go to the park and practice my kicking and that tonight because it's not a part of my life I want to go into. But in the areas of your life that deep down you do want to develop and you know you have this identity that you aren't naturally good at this or you were never good at this or I can't do this then that's when remove that statement and identify what's my skill level in this area. So if it's not about my personality, it's just about my skill, then you can put yourself on that scale of 1 to 10 and you can identify the rock star person in your life in that area and you can kind of say, well, right now I think I'm a 3. You know, I'm, 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 I can do a little bit of it, but I've got a long way to go. And then it goes back to what I've talked a lot about in the show in the past, is this whole idea of all, okay, well, what's a growth point here forward from someone who's at this level right now? And how do I start to progress up that ladder to towards a higher number? And what actions will I take? And that's kind of what Lance did, really. When we go back to Lance's email around this, the morning thing, she said she's not a morning person, but she took six months of struggle to let go of that identity. And this year, I finally become a morning person. And it's interesting how she's labeled that. And I think I talked about this on the podcast with the runners. Once they see themselves as a runner, then that shifted. You know, it's, it's kind of there forever. We've got them forever. Like, Lance now will always be a morning person. I'm sure she still likes to sleep in, but for the rest of her life now, she lives a life with this identity of. And that's when we think about this natural versus unnatural, is that if I've got identities that I that are restricting me, what identities do I want in that area? And then how do I remove the labels and look at the skill? Because that's what Lance did with the morning. She just basically learned, okay, how do I get going into the morning? And, and, and as she shifted that behavior and developed that side, then the labeling and identity shifted with it to the point where now she sees herself, you know, this year I finally become a morning person. So hopefully there's some stuff for you to think about in there because I think there's some... It, it was funny, when I was on the weekend, I was catching up with one of my best mates, Jared, and I was just saying to Jared... You know, I think one thing I've done well is I've never, I've really got at just looking at myself as my skills, not putting big labels on my identity. And I, th- I think that's a really valuable, wise way to look at your life. So hopefully there's some stuff in there for you guys to think about. And if you are someone who knows that you do kind of label and identify against yourself, well, maybe you could practice this approach. Our team... If you enjoy the show and you get value from the show and you want to become a patron, I really appreciate it. I am saving to do my new website and I hope to get it done in the next couple of months. So if uh, you want to help me kind of get a new website and help me kind of spread the word around what I'm doing, becoming a patron of the show is a great way to do that. Go to bevanjamesisles.com. While you're there, you can then sign up for my emails. And basically, I don't really do many written pieces right now, but um, what you can do is I every time I do a video or this podcast, I just send out an email so you can see when it's come out. Or if you've got any questions, you want to send my way via them my way. I'm going uh, to be doing a couple interviews actually this week. So in the next show will be an interview. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, going, I'm actually going on holiday. Joe and I are going to Thailand. And I'm very much looking forward to it. We've got to that kind of winter months here in Christchurch. 
And I'm just thinking I need a few to- a few weeks in the sun. So we're heading over to Thailand for about three weeks next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to that. So just one other thing, if you don't follow me on Facebook, I, I can't take any more friends. It's- I've got one of those accounts. I have got a kind of like a an athlete page, which, but to be honest, I kind of use my own page a bit more. But you can follow me. So if you want to do that or on Twitter or anything like that, feel free to as well. You know, team, you guys have an absolute couple, amazing couple of weeks and I'll see you guys real soon. And yeah, thanks for your time. See you, bye.